Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Gutter to Gutter Podcast. I'm Static, as usual. Just before we get into this episode, I wanted to make note of a couple of things. Firstly, Gutter to Gutter merch is here. If you didn't hear last episode, we were joined by the wonderful people at Certified Printing who now run the Gutter to Gutter merch from their store. So you can go and get it at certifiedprinting.com.au. Look for the Gutter to Gutter store and grab mad hoodies, mad shirts, mugs, stubby coolers, all that sort of gear in store there. I'm not exactly sure when the code runs out, but the code will run out very soon. So get out there, use the code GUTTER10 at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. Get onto certifiedprinting.com.au support the podcast i would absolutely appreciate it if you could go and grab yourself some merch secondly iso jap show is back guys we are proudly supported by old school japan euro to get this thing off the ground jason over there has been super helpful you might remember jason from a couple of a few episodes back now giving us massive support and helping helping the thing get out there which is amazing um we have a growing prize pool which started off with some gutter to gutter merch. I had a hoodie and some tees up for grabs. Our good friend Troy Worsley from Warspeed Industries has jumped in and helped out with some prizes also. We have an, another couple I'm trying to secure on the side, which I will mention as soon as I possibly can. So check out the Instagram for that. This is all going to be run off Instagram, guys, with the hashtag ISOJAPSHOW. It will be held on the weekend of July 18th and 19th, uh, 2021. Uh, just to date it for anybody who might be listening in the future. Get out there, guys. Snap some mad pics of your car. Get them up on Instagram. Use the hashtag ISOJAPSHOW. Uh, tag Gutter to Gutter Podcast. And also Old School Japan Euro. Again, mad prizes up for grabs. There's more and more coming, so I can't wait to get our details for those for you guys. Get amongst it, guys. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. I can't wait. So now getting into the current episode, I am joined by... Laura Burns, Laura Burns, aka the Pocket Rocket. She's a team driver for Red Shamrock Racing, primarily racing late model sedans. She has 15 years experience behind the wheel. Such a young lady in such an awesome sport. She's super outgoing. It was amazing to sit down and have a chat with her. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode because I know I did. Please enjoy Laura Burns. Joining with me tonight is Laura Burns. Laura, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? So I am Laura Burns, aka the uh, the Pocket Rocket here in Speedway Motorsport in WA. So I'm team driver for Red Shamrock Racing and we've been going on for about 15 years now, father and daughter race team. Um, I primarily compete in late models here in Western Australia um, with the aim to be able to travel interstate and uh, hopefully one day to America. Um, and Speedway, if you haven't heard of it, it's basically oval track dirt racing. So think of going down or an oval roundabout as fast as you can. That's that's what I do. Um, and a late model, it's basically a purpose-built race car. So it's just the, the chassis um, and then aluminium panels on the side of it, about five meters long um, with a V8 engine in it. So um, it's it's very, very powerful. <laughs> Awesome. What um what engine what engine are you running in yours? So I've only got a five two five crate engine. Um yep. it's only my 
oh, this is now my second year in it. I've just graduated my first year and um, yeah, uh, it's all I need at the moment while I'm still learning and one day we'll, we'll go up into into the big boys toys. But yeah, for now, five to five is perfect for me. So are you, are you saying like a 525 cubic inches? Is that what you're saying? Uh, it's minimum or? horsepower. Oh, okay, okay, I got yeah, that. Yeah. So that's horsepower. So um, okay, yeah. I'm sitting there going, it's only a 525. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's an only thing. Yeah, but okay, so yeah. that's that's your horsepower figures. Okay. Yeah, the minimum that you're, you're going to get from one of these. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think some of the, the other guys, you know, they might have um, over 6,000, uh, sorry, 600 to, to 800. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, depending on track conditions, it, it kind of evens out, and the five two five is still pretty successful. Yeah, it's um, it's not pretty. It's very successful. I was going to say it's, yeah. a, it's it's not a it's not a shy horsepower figure, is it? No, it's um, it definitely does the job well, and great for entry level in into this sport as well, because as we know, motorsport is is very expensive. Yes, I, yes, we do. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all of the all of the late model stuff and all that a bit later. Tell us, um, where did your love of motorsport come from? So my love of motorsport began with my dad. I grew up in Kalgoorlie, which is a small country town, um, in which is a goldfields, and dad's always been interested in bikes. So um, I've always had an interest in bikes ever since I could reach the pedals, basically. I think I had my own motorbike when I was about five, and... Um, was trying to grow as quick as I could to be able to reach the pedals on his Ducati to be passenger. Um, but I wasn't allowed to jump into motorbike racing. That was sort of a, a written rule for my family that they didn't want me in that, which, you know, is fair enough. Um, I'm only, well, at the moment, I'm 150 centimetres tall. So the size of your average 12-year-old, I haven't grown. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Dad and I used to go to the, the Speedway and, um, you know, even I, I was at chatting to him on my drive uh, here tonight and um, was thinking about the first time I went to the motorplex when that opened up here in Perth it was about 2000 I think and we went in with matching hats and shirts and I felt like the coolest kid ever and I think it's <laughs> it's moments like that for me of um, is the real highlight and yeah by the time I was 10 um, I heard on the PA system that you could be 10 to race and turned to dad and was like this is a sport I want to do um, and he tried to convince me otherwise, you know, took me to go-kart tracks and all sorts, but I was like, no, motorsport and speedway racing in particular is, is what I really want to do. I want to be in a full car and, um, yeah, eventually got one and haven't looked back. Awesome. So what, what is it about the speedway and like dirt racing that really got its hooks into you? What, what sort of really sticks with you? Um, I can't help but think as I've got older, it's probably a little bit of a um, overcompensation thing as well for being so little. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, like it's definitely the love of adrenaline. It's doing something that scares you that's still, you know, relatively safe in the scheme of things. Um, I remember like trying to do jumps when I was, you know, under 10 and, and that's just so exciting as a kid. Um, so then that translated into into actual car racing um you know it's waiting to go on the dummy grid before you go out on the track and those nerves set in and all sorts it's just you don't know what's going to happen but if it works and if you do a good job it's the best feeling in the world awesome what was your first race car i had a daihatsu charade g10 um so they're so hard to get nowadays but um 
yeah, I thought I was the coolest kid in school with one of them. <laughs> well, how old How old were you when you got that? I was eleven by the time um, By the time I got a car, I had to convince my dad over a year that I'd stick with it. So. I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess and say you were the coolest kid in school. An eleven year old in school with a with her own race car. It's pretty cool in my books. Yeah. Oh, I tried my best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still think I'm like a really cool kid. I'm like, I race cars. So yeah, no, I love what I get to do. So So what what was it you um what sort of class were you racing that in? So that was in junior sedans, which yeah, you have to be ten to race in that. And basically it's a entry level um, car division that we have in Speedway. Um, there are a few other divisions you can get into a bit earlier. Um, obviously, they're not as powerful and it's things like go-karts. You can do that, the dirt carts um, and outlaw carts and things like that. Um, I think it's about six or eight. Um, don't quote me though. But yeah, 10 to race in junior sedans. And the cars they've got nowadays are, are really powerful as well. You know, it's not just the the three and four cylinders. I think there's some six cylinders in there too. So they go really well. Um, I think some of them would be faster than than production sedans and street stock sometimes as well here in Speedway. So it's really incredible. Awesome. So talk us through getting ready for your first race when you're, you're, you're 10 years old, 11 years old. What, what's that like? Uh, hectic. I mean, I only had about two weeks to learn how to drive a manual car. Um, and we didn't get the actual Speedway car until, um, I think it might've been a week before. So I didn't have that much time to learn. Um, so in the end, like Kalgoorlie, we've got heaps of fire breaks to protect the town, um, in the event of a fire. And we had a Toyota PC troop carrier. So we're driving down the fire brakes in that I'm sitting on like a bag of fertilizer. So I'm tall enough to see over the steering wheel. And um, that was how I learned to drive a, a manual car because that was all we had. Um, I can say that the um, the charade wasn't much easier on the gears. It was still hard to do. But um, yeah, first race, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I had this crazy idea that I'd go out there and I'd win, um, which doesn't happen. Um, I think I got lapped about, oh, I want to say like four times or something like that. But at the end of it, I was still just so stoked that, you know, I'd had my first race. I finally did it and relief as well that everything worked out and um, I get to keep improving and, and keep doing it. That's awesome. So um, yeah. the race didn't go well for you. Did it Did it have a positive or negative effect on you? Like did you did it give you the, the, the drive to sort of go, all right, I really want to get into this and get better or? 100% gave me that drive. Um, I like to think of it as like a, a fire in my belly that, you know, you want to keep improving, you want to do better, you want to beat, um, you know, your own records, but you want to beat everyone else's as well. So I think too, because there was only a couple of us girls racing at the time, um, it was really good, friendly, you know, competition that we were all really supporting each other, wanted to see ourselves do really well. And for me, one of the things that I really wanted to do was to be um, the first female to win the Kalgoorlie Open Club Champs. And although I didn't do it while I was um, living there, I came back down from Perth while still in juniors and, and picked up that win there. And, um, you know, every time I go back to that track, it's it's literally like going home. So that um, those friendships and everything like that and, yeah, the, the nice competition that we have is, is all still there. So, 
very good. That's really cool. Now, your story is really interesting to me because normally you hear the stories of people in the motorsport and it's, you know, it goes back generations, but you are the first generation in your family into any kind of motorsport. What's, how did, how did that come about? Yeah, so it definitely is um, a bit of a strange way to get into it that it was, yeah, me, a female kid trying to convince my dad that that getting into motorsport was a good idea. Um, I can't say he'd still agree with me that it is a great idea because, yeah, it's expensive and all sorts and there's crashes and heartbreak. But, you know, at the end of the day, when things go to plan, it's it's wonderful. You, you can't even describe the feeling. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was difficult, particularly in juniors. You know, when you're a kid, you're always a bit awkward, and um, you know, you try and make friends and things like that. But I found it was really quite daunting when, yeah, you've you've got families that have been racing for generations. You know, they might have 10, 20, 30 years experience in the sport, and here I am being like, yeah, I heard a PA announcement. Like, <laughs> it is an odd way to to get in. I think I'm definitely in the minority, but. To me, um, I really like sharing that because, you know, it means if you if you don't have the experience and if you're just, you know, the the one random person in your family that's got a real big interest in motorsport, you can do it. Um, there isn't anything really stopping you except money. Um, <laughs> that's but, a big you know, one, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that those, it's, it's not a closed door to you if you want to do it. So, yeah. Awesome. So what, what kind of role does your father play now in your in your motorsport? Um, oh, still a, a major one. I like to think of us a bit as the, the brain and the brawn, um, although I'm jumping more now into learning the mechanics and things like that. But um, my dad, Mark, he, uh, you know, has done pretty much everything. He's a jack of all trades. He's a his actual trades are fitter and turner, but he had um, a mechanic shop for a while. So that's where he's got all that mechanical knowledge. And I just feel so lucky that I do have his support and I've got someone with such a great background like that. And, you know, dad's so good as well of just picking up knowledge from the internet and looking what we need to do. And um, every time we've jumped into different, different cars, you know, particularly late models as well, it's finding that right information and trying it. And, you know, does this setup work? No. Okay. We'll try something different. And I wouldn't be able to do it without him. Um, and yeah, he's taught me so much too about, yeah, the mechanics of the car and knowing what things are doing so I can relay that information back to him and, and we, we fix it together. Um, so I, I really liked that part of this journey. That's really cool. Like you, you probably couldn't have a better person in your corner, you know, having that background of mechanics, um, you know, fitter machinist, all that sort of gear. Um, you know, you, you pick up a little bit of fabrication and you've pretty much got what you need to sort of run a race car. Yeah, 100%. I mean, anytime we have something that, you know, we can't find a part for or it's quite special, Dad's just like, oh, yep, give me a minute, and he goes out and makes it, which is really, really awesome. Yep. So what were some of the things you learned uh, along the way sort of early on that would probably be common knowledge to others because you don't have that sort of background to draw from? Yeah, it's all this knowledge of racing and whatever else is passed down through everybody else's family, but you're kind of learning as you go. What were some of the, the big things that you remember? Oh, I feel like everything. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, simple things like where drivers' meetings are or that a drivers' meeting happens is is one thing. Um, oh, I I feel like politics is probably another. Although you know, we don't like to think that the sport has that side. It, it does, and and you do need to be a little bit um, 
cautious, I guess, um, just of what you put out there and things like that. Um, and I guess on that note too is, um, you know, fact-checking information. Everyone everyone has an opinion. Everyone likes to give advice. And that's, that's great as well. I wouldn't be where I am without the advice people have given me. But, you know, sometimes it's conflicting. So you can't take everything just at face value. You do need to have a, a look around or ask someone else that, that might be a veteran in the sport of, you know, is this the right thing to do? Um, that's sort of, yeah, the main things that I can think of for me. I mean, on the mechanics side, there's so much. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing when we started. So, um, yeah, it was lots of research, lots of talking to people, um, sharing developments as well. I think that's probably the biggest thing that we've found is if you share developments, people are going to share things back. So um, there is a, even though, you know, I'm still a first generation racer, there is a lot of information sharing and it it all helps in creating that community. I think once you've, you've shown that you're going to be in it sort of for the long haul, um, you, you do get that respect and, yeah, you deserve to be there as much as the next person. I've, I've actually, I've seen that in a, in a lot of different sports uh, through my time, the fact that you're the new person there. So everybody's a little bit standoffish. They don't want to sort of give you too much, but they don't want to leave you sort of out by yourself at the same time. So you, 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 you feel like you, you're kind of just on the edge, but not, re- not really in it, but not out of it. Yeah, and um, yeah. and obviously the longer you're there, the more people sort of warm up to you and realise that you're there to stay. You're not just it's not just a flash in the pan sort of thing. You're not just here because it's it's a cool thing to do. And then uh, yeah. the next thing kicks in, which I mean for me, my yeah. whole life is sort of there's always been a next thing, but it's always been like a block of maybe like five to to eight years or something, and then it's on to the next yeah. thing. So I've always yeah. put that time in, and then it's like, oh, well, I'm done here. Next one. So, but yeah, yeah it's 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 really yeah it's it's one of those things I've noticed is the more you get into it and the more people see you and realize that you're there to stay, the more they open yeah. up to you. And I think I guess on the the psychological side as well is um just being friendly to people. People are going to open up. Um, everyone's always a little bit standoffish in competition, but yeah, if you just go over and have a chat, they're going to start liking you more and, and able to share that information too. So. Um, that's probably one of the tips I've learnt myself because I'm really shy. And so I, yeah, I don't want to go and speak to people because, um, you know, I'm worried what people think and things like that. But I've had to push myself out of my shell, uh, you know, even jumping on the podcast with you. Um, and, yeah, you learn and you get better and, and you learn things along the way. So Yeah, I I, I can wholeheartedly agree with you there. I um, Many of the listeners would know that I suffer a bit of social anxiety myself. So if this is this is me putting myself out much the same way. Yeah, so, oh, that's yeah. awesome. So under, yeah, I understand that 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get back into it. Um, what were, were there any stepping stones on the way from this, the, your little charade up to your now late model? Was, was there any sort of other classes in between or was it like just straight from straight from one to the other? No, so definitely um, a progression. So once I graduated in juniors, I had about um, 10 months off because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep racing. So obviously it gets more expensive jumping into the senior divisions. But um, I had the really awesome opportunity to jump into a modified sedan um, and then through that moved into production sedans, which I raced in that for oh, I almost want to say like seven years or something like that. I've still got the car here. Um, nice. And that was where I was really able to come out of my shell and, and have a lot more confidence in my ability and my team and what we do. And, um, yeah, it was – the plan was to continue with that um, for as long as I could. 
Um, oh, I also raced mini stocks over in uh, New Zealand for a period. Um, and I raced uh, legend cars, which are like these 1920s style cars and shrunk down. Um, really, really cool if you ever get to see them. Um, that was just a guest drive and a guest drive in a Super 6. And that was also as well to put the feelers out of, you know, what do I want to do? Where do I want to move to? But the end goal has always been late models. It's just sort of been, you know, the finance to get there. And it's a completely different sort of style of racing, a lot more aggressive, um, a lot more uh, competitive. It's it's not sort of just, oh, yep, we're going to this track today. It's it's real, um, you know, we're locked in for a season type thing. So right. um, how it sort of happened, like 2015 is probably when we um, – we're dead set on that this is what we wanted to do. But then I took a few sort of years off not doing as many races. I might have done only one or two in a year. And, um, yeah, sort of 2019, it would have been everything came together and we bought our first late model um, and haven't looked back since. So finished my first year um, oh, just a couple months ago and picked up Rookie of the Year and now in my second year of racing. So Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. That's really cool. So along the way, especially in, in such a male-dominated sport, did you face any um, any hazing or any kind of, like I guess, sexist behaviour or anything like that, being you know, a young lady sort of trying to get into a very male-dominated sport? or um, Definitely no hazing. That kind of thing um, isn't around. I haven't seen it or anything like that. I'm definitely not in Speedway. But, um, you know, for the most part it is people are really understanding um, and, you know, we deserve to be out there as much as anyone else. It's, it's a mixed gendered sport and it, it always has been, I'm pretty sure. Uh, there are some, really yeah, there are some um, uh, country tracks that might do split divisions, but that's more for women to, to sort of start out like they've never raced before. But in my experience, you know, I still get comments every now and then I've had um, drivers, from my own class, male and female, um, sort of say to me, oh, you know, you only get attention because you're female. Um, but I'm like, no, hold on. I get attention because I, you know, am really active on social media. I put a lot of what we do behind the scenes. Um, I engage with my fans. So, like, if they message me, I'm messaging them back. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm always posting content. I'm always sharing what I'm doing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I have a day job, but, when I get home, I spend like another five hours on, on the social media and marketing side because that's that's just as important, if not more important, than your race results. So, um, yeah, it is disappointing and I find it hurtful when people say things like that, but I don't think it comes necessarily from a negative and gendered space. I think it's just they're um, maybe a little bit naive to, to actually what goes on at a really professional level um, in, in, in motor racing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lot of the time, you know, like you're saying, yeah, sharing of, of what goes on behind the scenes. A lot of people like to see that because, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool. You can go to racing, you, know, you can go to races and whatever else, and that lasts a couple of hours, you know. But when you actually see what goes into getting your car and your team and yourself there and racing, there's so much, you know, it's, it's hours and hours and hours. Like you said, you might, you might be in the workshop, which you're at right now, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean, for five hours a night <laughs> after your day job. So, it's it's yeah. yeah we we see like a, a small sort of small fraction of what it is that that, that actually goes into getting that car going. Yeah, that's so. it. Like weekends, I'm here as well. Like there's always something to do. Um, I mean, right now we're working on a go kart, <laughs> so that's been a little bit of my project. But um, 
yeah, there's always something. And yeah, like you said, people love seeing it. I've had a lot of people comment being like, well, I didn't know that that's how, how these things work and things like that. And even just sharing some of the struggles I've had, you know, I'm, I'm quite petite and changing a late model tire. I don't, well, I didn't have the strength for originally, but people have been able to watch my journey as now I can get the whole tire off the rim and put a new one on, which, you know, I'm stoked about that. My dad's stoked about that because it means he doesn't have to do it. <laughs> but also, you know, all, all my fans have been able to follow along that journey with me. And um, yeah, we're more friends than just fans. So it's really special to me. Yeah, it's really cool. They get to follow along and they kind of take that win with you as well, you know, like. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, 100%. People give me good tips too. So. Yeah. But I sense check them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to get into motorsport. I want to get into, um, you know, work my way through, get into late model racing. Where do, where do I go to buy a late model car once I get to that point? Where, where, <laughs> do I go to the late model car shop? Where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um they're basically in wa actually we have them all over australia if you search like dirt late models for sale there's facebook groups um there's a lot for sale at the moment otherwise you know if you are looking for a late model and don't really know where to start maybe you don't have facebook even just emailing um your state specific governing body so in WA, it's Late Model Racing WA and, you know, Tasmania, Late Model Racing Tasmania um, because generally they have a list of cars for sale as well. Generally, anytime someone upgrades their car, they're also getting rid of their other car. So there's always ones around. And I know in WA we've got quite quite a few at the moment. I've seen a few from um, like Tassie and I think South Australia as well. So there is plenty around. Um, otherwise, just find someone in late models to chat to and we can certainly point you in the right direction. Yeah, right. So for the most part, are they like are they just a fully fabricated um, chassis sort of start to finish? Yeah. So um, like for me, for instance, I have a rocket chassis. So the only people that can make them is rocket chassis in the US. So, um, I mean, if, if you had a really big budget, you would be able to go direct to the rocket factory and get everything you need and bring it over to Australia. But if you're starting out, yeah, a secondhand one is fine. And there's still really new ones around, like mine, I think, so 2015. Um, But, you know, there's people selling ones 2020 around. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a variety out there depending on your budget. That's really cool. So there there is, obviously, there is manufacturers of these chassis as well as people who can would build their own for their own race teams and all that sort of gear, I imagine. I'm not 100% sure about people building their own. Um, yeah, most because it's a purpose-built race car, generally uh, we just go with the developments out of America because that's where the cars are based. Yep. Um, I know engines, there are a few people that will build their own. Um, obviously not a crate engine. Um, that just comes straight from Chevrolet. Um but yeah, most people will just use a, a straight chassis from the US because um, it's already had all those those developments to it. Awesome. Yeah. So you like to be hands on with your car. Um, we've just spoken about you know changing tires and all that sort of gear. What's what's a what's that been like? You know, like going from just just driving to then, or I want to get hands on and really get into this thing. Yeah, we've seen I've seen Instagram videos of you sort of taking all the panels off. And, and all that sort of gear, as well as, you know, you're changing a tyre. So what's, what's that journey been like? 
It's um, it's been I think quite interesting because yeah, I didn't do. I'll be honest, I didn't do too much when I was in juniors or production sedans. Um, and I'm not sure. Dad and I have talked about this. Not sure if it was that he um didn't want to give me any responsibility in that area, like didn't trust me, um, or it's been more of an interest. I personally think it's been more of an interest as I've gotten older um, and being able to understand how things work. Like now I understand a lot more of the aerodynamics on the late model and, um, yeah, the types of setups that you need for different tracks and things like that. I think because it's a bigger car as well, it kind of makes things a bit easier to work on and I just kind of enjoy crawling everywhere. Like I, there's so many like hidey holes <laughs> that I can fit in on this car. But, you know, I the other other weekend I got to learn how to use the, the plasma cutter, which is something really, really awesome. Um, I felt like Iron Man. Um, I haven't used something <laughs> like that before. So and, you know, great bonding for me and dad, for him to be able to teach me all these things too. And I think that's what he's enjoying. So, um, yeah, I guess for us, it's it's just father-daughter bonding time and we get to both do something that we love. And, you know, even if I wasn't racing, we'd still both be in the shed together. And I kind of actually saying that I've always, I've always done that. Um, when I was younger, you know, dad would be working on the bikes and all sorts and I'd be there by his side just watching and um, or like hammering nails into stuff. I was always in the shed with him. So, yeah, this was bound to happen one day. <laughs> so it wasn't you just, yeah, living the rock star life. You just drive your car no, and let no. everybody work on it. You you genuinely yeah. had the interest. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it's helpful as well for me knowing what changes we're doing to the car or, or what's what's with the car. Um, yeah, I know that I've had direct responsibility into its handling or whatever it's doing or that if things aren't quite right, I can come off the track and be like, all right, we need to do this, 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 and then I should be right for the next one. So more, it gives me more confidence in my ability and, and the car. So, um a bit of a win-win, I guess. Yeah, so instead of just coming in and going, oh, it's not feeling right, and the best you can do is tell them what it's doing, you've actually got a little bit of yeah. input and going, oh, well, this is what it's doing, and I think this is how we yeah. fix it. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Re- yeah, really good to be able to sort of do that. So. Yeah, and it that's makes awesome. me think, you know, if I um, could talk to my younger self, would I have gone for like a mechanical apprenticeship or something like that? But um I don't know. I don't think I would be where I am today if I had gone down that path as well. I think sometimes you need to have the lessons and the setbacks and the learning curves because, um, yeah, I'm extremely passionate about what I get to do now and I just hope that it can inspire the next gen, whether, you know, they do take up motor racing as a driver or race fabrication or something like that. Um, but, yeah, we, we can do it. We can do it all. So <laughs> That's really cool. So Red Shamrock Racing. Is that your race team or is it a team that was already put together that you've joined? What's what's the story with that? So that's our race team. That's um, me and Dad, our father-daughter team. Yep. And where the name came about is um, we're both actually dual citizens. So we're Irish and Australian, um, overseas birth. So um, Grandma is from Ireland, um, yep. both sides. So, um, yeah, the, the red is a nod to Kalgoorlie where we're both originally from and then Shamrock being the homeland there so yep. yeah it's sort of a nod to our, our joint heritage that's really cool the, the listeners would be sick of me talking about it i used to play tournament paintball and our yeah. my original paintball team that i started with a good friend of mine uh, i also have irish heritage but we named it shenanigans um yeah. and later on down the line we had a team called uh, like a feeder team so there was a, a lower division team that we could bring players up into our team uh, called Shamrocks, so it ended up being you know, Shamrocks and Shenanigans, which was also a House of Pain song. Yeah, 
Yeah. So the, that's yeah, the, awesome. So the, yeah, the red, the, the red shamrock caught me. I'm like, oh, what's that about? <laughs> that's that's really cool. Yeah. A bit of a, a nod to your heritage and your your hometown sort of thing. That's really cool. Yeah. What does your training regime look like? Like, how does how does that work? So yeah, I work with a, a company called Revolve Health. Um, they're exercise physiologists, and they have definitely whipped me into shape. Um, when I started with the late model, um, I realized pretty quickly I couldn't steer it. I wasn't strong enough, um, which was disheartening, really, um, because ev- everywhere else it hadn't been a problem, and I'd sort of thought, "Hold on, is this is this my size is now actually impacting my ability to drive?" Which um, of course, is something that I'm quite sensitive about because you know I am I am really small, I'm 150 centimeters. So um, working with them was really great because it, it made me realize no, it's it's not size, it's it's strength. And through this as well, um, the team there have worked really closely with me, and they've actually um, well we've worked out I am really strong for my size, which gives me a lot of confidence in the car, knowing that you know if if I get a wheel knock or something like that, I'm going to have the strength to hold the steering wheel and keep it straight. Um, which yeah is is awesome for me, and being stronger means easier recovery and thing like things like that. So, um, for instance, um, they make me do neck exercises, which um, if you do follow like a Formula One and things like that, you'll see probably some of the funny videos Daniel Ricciardo puts up of, of his neck exercises. I have to do the same things, but I was in a crash um, maybe about uh, five weeks ago now, and um, I did uh, I did hurt my neck quite badly at the time, but the recovery of that was it was whiplash thankfully nothing else but the recovery because of the the strength that I had in my neck was only about two weeks in the end which is awesome because when I went to the physio um they said it would probably be six to eight weeks so to be able to get that kind of bounce back um is just really great and gives me the confidence of whatever happens in the car I'm going to be fine I'm going to be safe and I'm going to overcome it that's really cool that's Mm. really cool so how long ago did you start like start that sort of training I think it was about uh, September last year. Um, So it's really not that long that I've been on a a quite a strict training regime. Um, So I train with them only once a week, um, but then I have two other sessions that I'll do at home um, and surprisingly no cardio. Um, For me, that's just because I am small. I don't want to lose any of the weight or strength that I've gained. So it it really is just strength and core and obviously my neck. well, I really enjoy it. I never thought that I, I – I never considered myself like a sporty person, even yep. though it's motorsport. But um, because I can see the outcome of where that's going, I, I love I love working out now and yep. smashing my personal best with weightlifting. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's really cool because that's almost an instant payoff with your neck strength. You know, you've, you've been doing that since September and you've got that yep. bounce back of, you know, like, like a six-week deficit essentially. Like you, it could have taken you another six weeks to recover from that. And, yeah. and now you're fine. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, so have you had big crashes on, on track or? Um, I mean, I've had a, I've had, oh, I guess two in the late model. Um, yeah, the last one, yeah, five weeks ago, uh, unfortunately a car in front of me spun and I had nowhere to go. So I've had hit him and then another couple cars have, have hit me and it was sort of that impact was a bit, bit too much and um we decided instead to sit the winter season out which is actually 
been great. I'm loving having time off. Although I say time off and yet I'm out here building a go-kart. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, another one where I hit the wall, but I didn't think I hit it that hard um, because with the late models, um, if you get the chance, have a look on my Instagram. Late models, we've got this really large nose cone, which is all just bar work. And um, that protects us, obviously, if we hit anything. So I've hit the wall head on and thought, oh, yep, ready to go out again. They're like, no, no, your nose cone's like completely destroyed. And I was like, ah. Oh. So it's great that we've got all that in place. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't consider them to be really serious. Um, juniors, I had a few rollovers. I've had five separate rollovers. Um they're always fun. You kind of get halfway and you're like, I'm going the wrong way. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, you, you learn from them. You learn how to escape them if you start getting into something a bit iffy. Um, and yeah, it makes us stronger. They suck, but um, yeah, it makes us stronger. What was that first rollover like? What, uh, what was oh. your mindset? <laughs> it's on YouTube somewhere as well, but... I took a corner to, I did it all by myself. I took a corner too wide and went into the, the really soft sand. And it's just like, it's literally like slow motion. I'm slowly going over and you're like, oh, surely it's going to come back down. But it doesn't. It just slowly goes on the roof and then slowly comes back onto the wheels. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect because um, well, I guess you don't prepare yourself for those things. But I think I was only maybe 12 or 13 at the time. Um but yeah, I cried um, and was just a little bit, little bit shaken. But still went out the next next race I could. We fixed the car up and was ready to go again. So. Awesome. So did you did you roll over and then just end up on your wheels anyway? Yeah, yeah. So oh, I was just okay. like, well, what do I do now? Do I do I rejoin the race? Am I meant to pull infield? Is someone <laughs> going to push me in? Like, yeah. I don't even remember. I think I got a toe in in the end. But um, yeah, yeah. It's always right. always interesting. I imagine it's a different story when you're stuck on your roof. But luckily that didn't happen. Yeah, I've had that before. Um, yeah, I didn't know what to do and I kind of just hung there with my hands in the air for a while <laughs> waiting until like, the track crew came and they're like, no, don't undo your belts. We'll flip you back over. And I think there's like five people rocking the car back and forth to get it on its wheels. So, yeah. What an experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so out of the crashes that you have had, have they slowed you down at all? Um, I would say the ones I had when I was younger did. Yes. Um, I had a pretty bad rollover when I was 17, 2011. Um, and that, um, yeah, impacted my confidence a fair bit because I didn't quite know how I did it. Obviously, like I analyzed my, my racing and work out, you know, what I'm doing good, what I wasn't doing good. And yeah, that one, I, it just came out of the blue. And so that shook me a bit. Um, and that was sort of part of the reason, too, why I took a bit of time off um, after juniors, before seniors, trying to work out what I wanted to do. Um, but, yeah, you know, any time I've had a bit of self-doubt, you know, you, you you need time to to recover. These are, you know, whether it's a racing incident or a crash or whatever, you know, you need time to recover and, and get yourself back together and get, you know, your emotions back all in line and that confidence in yourself. So I don't think it's necessarily a negative. Um, if you have an incident in your life, you know, now if I talk about outsider racing, if you have an incident in your life and you need to slow down and, and then come back once you've bounced back, um, racing is just the same as, as life. And I think all of us in motorsport have, have definitely can relate to that that there's times where you're like am I doing the right thing should I be doing this can I even drive um but we all come back to it it's just you know 
once you're bitten by the racing bug, you you're screwed. <laughs> you're stuck in motorsport. So yeah, for yep. me, anytime I've had something like that, I've just needed to take the time I've needed and and bounce back. So yeah. Awesome. So talk to us about nerves before a race. I get so nervous. Um, <laughs> um, it's just waiting on the dummy grid. So sometimes we might have to wait like half an hour, 40 minutes, just waiting to get onto the track. And yeah, you're all ready to go and you just want to head out there, but you have to calm yourself down, slow your heart rate, steady your breathing so you get enough oxygen. Um, yeah, you, you just have to sort of learn that mindfulness. And for me, I love to um, – forget the word but uh rehearse what might happen basically so i like to visualization that's what i'm looking for i like to visualize the different scenarios you know where people might be on the track and where i can go and and things like that um usually i've had a squeeze at what the track looks like before i'm on the dummy grid so i can do that um fairly well and and that keeps my sort of nerves at ease as well because i'm not sort of sitting there you know thinking about random things i'm i'm still in that zone i'm already racing before i've got onto the track so when we get out there and that green light drops i'm just straight there trying to get that checkered flag awesome so tell us um a few features of like i guess a dirt track that you probably never thought of but were surprised by when you got there is there anything that sorry before i started racing you yeah, that? like, yeah, like you, you just say, okay, well, I'm, I'm now racing on a dirt, I'm going to go race on a dirt track. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken to a, a few guys that are, that are into the, um, into the speedway stuff, you know, and they, they always talk about the cushion. Yeah. It was, yeah. was that something, was that something that totally threw you off or you weren't expecting or did you have a fair sort um, of idea of what you're getting yeah, into? Yeah. Well, I mean, 11 year old Laura didn't understand banking that the tracks are banked they're on an angle so yeah where you are on that bank also helps or hinders your speed um and that you don't need to drive in a circle even though it's like a circle track obviously your different lines again create your different speeds and things like that um in late models I basically had to relearn how to drive everything I thought I knew about how cars drive and how they handle had to throw the book out um these are so different and I felt quite naive that I hadn't completely realized how different they are. But things like, um, like in the, in the production scene in the Sigma, I would get the back end going sideways and get that to lead me around in or, or drive around so you can get the front to lead you. But this, you really need to, to hook the back in almost like you're going to spin out. Um, it's a very fine point. But once you've got that, that gives you that drive to go around the corner and at no point should you really be turning left. You need to be turning right around the corner. And so it's a bit of a bit of a... Turn right to left. It 100% is true in late models. Like other divisions, you can get away with it and kind of drive around. But in a late model, you need to be going extremely fast in those corners and you need to be chucking it in to be going well, turning right, but it's, it's making you go left. So, yeah, I need to go and watch cars again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I wish, I wish this was a, wish this was a video podcast because the hand yeah. motions were amazing just then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you it. Oh. yeah. Um, you, you have a, a, a slogan, stay fearless. Where did that come from? 
so the complete origins of that was back in the production sedan in Sigmas. Um, and it was more of a, a, a comment um, that someone was like, wow, she's fearless. And it was because tracks quite commonly end up being one line tracks so we all just basically follow the leader um there's times where i would pop out of that and i would start driving the high line so right up near the cushion as, as you've said or on the cushion um which is extremely close to the wall um and leaves very small margin for error so that's what i sort of became known for in in production sedans and i've kind of let that expand to not just being fearless on the racetrack and with my driving style and where I am, but in all aspects, you know, I, um, I'm quite open in saying that I am a racer with anxiety. Um, and that's, that's just me and that's okay. Um, it just means that some things that work for me don't work for other people. And I stress about everything. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, that's, yeah, staying fearless, doing things that scare you. Racing scares the bejesus out of me, but you know, it, I've been doing it 15 years. I absolutely love it. And the benefits outweigh that, um, I guess, anxiety that I have before I go out on the track and thinking about it every night beforehand. Um, <laughs> it's a positive anxiety, I guess, in the end. Um, but yeah, staying fearless, it's doing what you're afraid of doing, um, following your dreams, going after what you want to do. And I like to keep it short and sweet so that, yeah, if people hear me, you know, Laura Burns, yep, she she always talks about staying fearless. And I hope that, that if I can drive any message home, it is that, um, that, yeah, whatever you're doing, do it and, and be fearless in doing it. Awesome. I have, I have a saying that, that reflects the same, the same thing, which is um, sink or swim. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Throw yourself into it head first and you're either going to come out of it or you – Yeah. Either, either way, you're going to come out of it, but mm. whether, whether you, you win or lose, it doesn't matter. Just do it. Yeah. You've had yeah. a go. Yeah, yeah. You've done it. And I that's think what too as well, like, yeah. For me as well, it's, you know, showing that your your background, as I said, first-generation racer, but your height, size, gender, everything like that aren't severe barriers in getting into motorsport. If you want to do it, you just need to jump into it. Awesome. So we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. For all the, the young ladies out there who want to get into motorsport but might be a little bit apprehensive, um, what advice, what words of advice have you got from, apart from stay fearless? We've done that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the easiest thing to say would be just do it. Um, but I know it's a lot harder than that. Um, it's it's very easy and simplistic to say that. So I think some actual practical advice, if you are wanting to jump into motorsport, generally not just Speedway, um, have a squeeze online and see, you know, what type of racing you're interested in and whether that is as a driver or if you're wanting to get into the mechanical side as crew or officialing, um, yeah, find out what type and then what clubs are closest to you. Easiest thing, send them an email, find out when their racing is. Most likely you'd be able to get buddied up with someone to learn how things are. Um, and most places as well have come and try days. Um, you know, if you are a young girl, um, particularly over in the East Coast, uh, motorsport australia have uh girls on track which goes around to schools and is really targeted at, at primary school age kids and you know you get to learn how to change tires and have go on racing simulators and things like that um and then if you're a bit older and have your license there's things like race chicks um who have a driving school so you can jump into things like that um you know that's not full on racing that's just sort of seeing if you like it or not so 
yeah, there's heaps of things where you're able to have a go before you commit and buy like a $10,000 race car. Um, <laughs> you can you can work up to that. And um, I guess on that note too, if you are wanting to jump into that kind of racing, there's heaps of sponsorship resources out there as well. Some are free, some are paid, um, but that's there too um, to help you get to that next step. That's really cool. Awesome words. So tell us where we can find you. So I am on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and you can follow either the team page or myself. Team pages is Red Shamrock Racing, and on Instagram, it's Red Shamrock Racing with an underscore. And otherwise, if you want to take a squeeze at me in the behind the scenes, it's Laura Burns Motorsport. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. And no I hope that you listeners have been able to, to find something as well that resonates with you. And um, yeah, hope to see you staying fearless as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening in. And I hope to have you tune in again next week. Don't forget to head over and follow Gather Together on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Gather Together Podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it if you could share the podcast with a friend and even consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. I look forward to bringing you more next week, so please have a great week and look after each other.